started a couple of years ago after a Bible symposium I attended. And um, then Ashley and I and another teacher attended one of the Bible symposiums that was virtual. And we took away so much from that, we wanted to come and bring it to our staff. So this grew out of something we started for our staff and then want to expand on for today. Um, I didn't know Gary Smith was going to start with a question. We had the question, what is our deepest hope? And I think as educators, we all have this deep hope. We're teaching where we're teaching because our hope is that these kids that sit in our classrooms day after day are rooted not only in um, the knowledge of the subject we're bringing to them, but they're being more and more rooted in the fact that they are part of this story that we're bringing. So much of what you're going to be seeing in here today um, that we talk about is going to spend quite a bit of time saying, how can we in Bible, in that discipline especially, connect our kids to the story of God and make so that they see they are a part of this story. Um, we also are going to look at ways that that can, that will grow and develop faith and form faith, but also then look how can you envision this being happening in other disciplines also. Um, the first thing that we have is faith formation. Um, what are the building blocks of faith? Um, this is not mine. This comes from the CRC site for faith formation. We'll show you the link pretty soon. There are tons of resources there that you can use. But the faith formation, the building blocks of faith are that I belong. That um, in order to faith to flourish, that I know and I understand. That I have a hope and that I'm called and equipped. And although these look like they necessarily build on each other, they do, but they also build alongside of each other as you go through. We don't have to wait until we are 40 or 50 to be called and equipped. Um, it happens along the side as, alongside of knowing that you belong. Um, the belong comes obviously from the Heidelberg Catechism, um, number one. Um, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I belong that I belong to this faithful Lord and Savior. But we also need to know we belong to our community. So we, a few pictures here of some of our kids. These are the kids that are in front of us. These are the kids that need to know they belong. These are the kids that they need to know they belong to this Highland Christian school, classroom, and community. But we also need to know that they belong to these church families. And that as a Christian school, we are partnering with the church families and our students and the homes to have these kids know that they are a part of this big story that God is a part of. Um, this is the faith formation site that I was talking about where you can find so many of these different tools. Um, the site here, all of these are... Um, links that we will have in this presentation. You can find them, get back to them easily. But the Faith Formation Ministry site has tons of different resources for you to use. One of them that um, I would definitely look at is, in a very small book, is this one called Faith Practices. Order it from there. It is well worth the time. It is looking at 
some of the habits that we have that shape us into people who worship and understand who we are. The other ones, especially for school, are at the bottom of this site, there are these toolkits. The toolkits, um, the one on building blocks of faith, kind of goes through what we're talking about here, and it gives you not only the, the understanding of what each of these are, but also some really good resources and ways to use them. So this is a, a wonderful, worthwhile site to visit, um, Faith Formation from the CRC Church. So the first building block is belong. And no matter what grade you teach, all of our students have this feeling of they want to belong, they want to feel loved, they want to feel safe, and so this applies to all of us. Um, and there's the belonging found that we have found in Jesus is really like no other, and it is such a blessing to be able to be in a Christian school where we're teaching our kids that how to feel like they belong. I tell my kids, well, the three years I've been teaching that, um, if they leave this school year, this classroom, knowing their ABCs and one, two, threes, but they don't feel like they belong to the family of Christ, or they don't know the love of Christ, then I need to try again, because they need to know that they are found in Christ and they are belonged and loved by Christ. But that also goes along with feeling like they belong in the classroom. Um, and so we're going to talk about a couple ways in which at Highland we really cultivate this culture of belonging. And one is just in the lower grades we do all about me posters. Um, and that's just where the students get a week where they um, are a star student and they get to tell the class about them and about their families. Um, also, after the Bible Symposium uh, a couple years ago that we did virtually, they talked about doing devotions in the classroom and how you can make this look different. Because my first year teaching, I did devotions every day, but it was just, we read a little something and then kind of moved on with our day. And this symposium really opened my eyes to, like, devotions don't need to look like that. They can look very different every day, and devotions themselves are an awesome way to create that feeling of belonging in the classroom. And so on Mondays, we do prayer requests every morning. Um, on Tuesday as a class, and then we write them on the board and we revisit them throughout the week. And on Tuesdays, we do Testimony Tuesdays, so we celebrate the ways that God is working in our lives. On Wednesdays, we read this book called Love Does for Kids by Bob Goff, which is an awesome book, and there's a link to it where you can buy that at the end of the slideshow. On Thursdays, we do Thankful Thursdays, where we write notes of thankfulness to other teachers in the building or anyone. And then on Fridays, we do a Praise and Worship Fridays, where we sing worship songs. And so that has just been super helpful with building that feeling of belonging in the classroom. One of the other ways we do, and it kind of goes with some of the same things that um, Ashley was saying, um, most of our classrooms have prayer requests that we put up for them. Um, this is, my room is the one, the whiteboard, and the other one is a very cool one in our fifth grade classroom. She has a clipboard where the kids can write down a prayer request, put it up. My junior high students, um, my sixth grade class, every Monday we share prayer requests. And they go up on the board, and they stay up there, and kids may write them. Hey, may I write? Absolutely. The markers are right there. Write prayer requests down. Make it simple and brief. We talk about them. We ask about them during the day. But then we revisit them the following Monday. So they stay up the entire week. Jake, how's Cameron's arm doing? Great. It's healing. We put a little smiley face by it. You know, and they are the ones that initiate when it can come off. So sometimes the, the board gets really, really full. 
And the only reason I put the name of the student that puts it on there, that way it helps me remember who is the person that asked for this prayer request so that on that following Monday we can go back to it. Um, Ashley also made the point of um, words that are important. She does it on Thankful Thursday where they write notes. Mine is called Wordy Wednesday, Words on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, my sixth grader homeroom, they write cards to um, different people, um, shut-ins, students in the school, teachers encouraging them. We also do it to each other to build community, and that's why I keep flipping back to this. But this bookmark on the end there, um, I put all the students' names on a piece of paper in my homeroom. And behind it, they write an encouraging word about every person in the classroom. Then I collaborate and put them all together and put it on a bookmark that they can keep. Um, the eighth graders are still like, I still have that bookmark in my Bible, you know. I use it. Because it's all words about them from their peers that are saying, you are this. I see this in you, which builds community. Um, if you'll notice on mine, great teacher, yay, whatever, they notice that about me. But the ones that are bolded or larger print, it means more than one person said this about you. So kids recognize that these are the things that people have said about them. And they take to that and look at it, and it's, it's words of encouragement. But it also, once again, helps build our community. Um, Thankful Thursday, we, our time in sixth grade at the morning for homeroom and devotions is short. So it's sticking a note on the desk, write something you're thankful for, slap it on the board, and we just looked at, didn't even read them, all of them out. They stayed up there the entire day, so other classrooms like, what do you did? Thankful Thursday. Oh, yeah. Can we add something? Absolutely. Um, but it was a way to just take that 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes to get as many things down. And once again, it builds community that you see that these are how many things that, you know, 25 kids, and I only got a portion of the board, but we're thankful for and put up there very quickly. Um, one of the other things um, our school does, and I am privileged as the junior high teacher, we have an elective period at the end of the day, and um, two electives that I have are spiritual life and school life. Seventh and eighth graders may apply to be a part of each of those. Of the approximately 85 seventh and eighth graders, I see about 60 of them, either in spiritual life or school life. They're the ones responsible for so much of the stuff that is happening in our school. Um, Black History Month, they're the ones that put together uh, the slide presentation. I'm not going to go through it, but it was a presentation we had as a chapel that celebrated the lives of you know, famous African Americans that, had a, that gave them the ability to inspire them to do something. Um, they put up posters throughout the entire school with the little blurbs, a noteworthy African-American who inspires us to stand up for justice. Um, all of these are up. Uh, they're the ones that come up with these. Um, and it empowers them to say, this is not our school, this is our community. And the community celebrates what we celebrate. Um, this year, for the first time, we put up a Hispanic Heritage Month 
um, throughout the school, some in the primary, some in the elementary, some in the junior high, where they would see different um, Hispanics that were noteworthy, foods, celebrations, things that we think of when we see Hispanic Heritage Month. If you as a teacher have to do all this, it gets to be overwhelming. That's why this is, I'm, I marvel in the fact that I have this opportunity to be able to have all these things because I have these willing participants, 30 of them in each of those, that are willing to do, yeah, it takes a bunch of time to corral them sometimes, but willing to do these kind of things and help celebrate community at Highland Christian. Knowing and understanding, the next building block. Um, we want to have our students not only know and understand the story of the Bible, and this is a section that will be a lot about what we do in Bible, but because we belong, we need to know that not only was this story of God's faithfulness true in the Old and New Testament, but the story is true now, and the story is true in our lives. And how are we connected? I have to confess that, um, that story that he was talking about from First Kings, we, sell, we do that every year in seventh grade. And we, sell, we talk about Elijah. And so often I think I'm focused on what did Elijah do, what did Elijah do, that I don't step back and say, did I connect it enough so each of those kids know God hears, God answers. And God is truth. My teaching of it this time is going to be different. That's what I know. That's what I understand. But am I enough in what I'm teaching? Am I so familiar with the stories that I teach that I don't go back and read them and stand in amazement at a God who <coughs> hears, who answers, and who's truth? And who sitting in my classroom might have needed to hear that in the story of Elijah? That it's not about the brook, and it's not about being fed by ravens, and it's not about, you know, the oil not running out and seeing that miracle. That's great. That's awesome. But are they connected to the story also? So this is a huge part of, I think, what we are doing. Some ways here again, um, sixth grade. We take them out of the promise, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And one of the ways, um, I am not a, um, I am famous for not having homework very much or tests. Um, my tests are very much like this. Can you retell me the story? Can you showcase what you have learned from this? Rather than giving you give me the, the facts, the comprehension of it. Um, are you walking away with a statement of what does this story say? So one of them that we did with the, with the journey to Canaan is they had to write a, make a four-section story, um, cartoonish kind of story to be able to tell it. Um, seventh grade right now, and I have this poster up here also. We have some of them. But... We're reading through the Psalms of David as he's on the run from King Saul. And so students were given a psalm. They got to choose which psalm. And they needed to illustrate a verse of the psalm to be able to say, this is what God is saying in this psalm. And this is what that verse looks like to me. 
Um, no, it doesn't look like it would look like there. I don't think there's any hermit crabs wandering around in the desert in Israel. But, you know, this is what it looks like to me, that God is my rock. Um, and it's cool to see what they come up with. Once again, it takes time. But we've spent the time. They've looked at different psalms. We then do um, something with them where we're, they're drying in my room because some did watercolors. We'll do something when we come back where we will do, and I'll showcase it in another one, like a gallery walk. And you'll get to explain what you, what you saw in the psalm, but then the artist also will be able to explain what they saw. So that is one of our other things. Um, this is where we did a gallery walk. So if you don't know what a gallery walk is, um, there's an explanation on one of these. There's also the, the sheet that we had to explain what they were looking for. This is eighth grade when we did the words of Jesus on the cross. Once again, um, they got to choose which one and illustrate. Now, what does this mean? Um, my favorite is, uh, one of my favorite books is The, the Biggest Story Ever by DeYoung. And where it talks about, they hear me talk about the snake crusher all the time. And when it is finished, and there's Jesus, and is, the snake is there, and being crushed, and how they get the point. That's it. It's finished. Um, so I think you learn a lot about the heart of your kids by seeing what they do when they do artwork, and they get to express it in ways themselves. Um, another thing that seventh grade does is we got to go through the kings. So the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel... Um, the kings of Israel, it's a downer. Um, the kings of Judah are a little better, at least a few of them. So instead of doing this, um, going through every king and how many years did he reign and, you know, all the important things, um, they're each given to king. And they have a challenge board, which has the, the key information I'm wanting you to find in it. What things did they do that showed they were a Nagid, a god king. What things did they do that showed they were a Malek? Just a regular king. And um, how long were they king? Who was the successor? All of those kind of things. But then they get to express it once again in different ways. Maybe it's a PowerPoint slide. Maybe it's a, a game board where you get to play the games and the questions are in here. And um, his disobedience was he did not seek the Lord for help when he needed. Move back five spaces. You know, you don't even have to have known about this king. You get to learn about him by playing one of the games that somebody else created. Um, or this one is, this girl is an amazing artist. Just an entire poster about Hezekiah with all the different things. He was wealthy. You look through this and you walk away knowing something about what this king was like, and what, how he was either God-fearing and how he sometimes fell into just being a, maybe a very good king, but not a man after God's own heart. Um, so once again, they're active in it. They're looking forward to it. Um, I had students do coloring books that did it, presentations. Um, there's always the... With hesitation, um, can you act out some of it? Because sometimes acting just becomes, you know, more goofy stories of it. But 
Um, they have to, you know, all of this is see me, talk to me, let's see what you're doing, and they're working on it at the same time. Um, here's a third grade. They did act out the story. These third graders were doing the story, and they did it actually for a chapel that third grade did for the entire school body. And they were doing the story of um, Joseph and his brothers. So we have Joseph and his brothers up there in the front. Um, so something that uh, every grade at Highland does, and then they get this when they graduate, um, eighth grade, is faith formation journal. And it looks different in every grade, but uh, the thing that's the same in all of them is that it involves the creed, community, calling, and hope. And it gives the students an opportunity to reflect on these things and what they're learning about in class and relate it to these things. And then it's really cool because then when they graduate eighth grade, they can see how their faith has formed and developed from kindergarten to when they graduate. So this is fourth grade's example of what we do. It's we don't do it all at once, but we do it periodically throughout the year. We have them do a couple pages at a time, and then it's done by the end of the year. And then we hand it up to the next year's teacher so it doesn't get lost. Um, but that's just what fourth grade does. And I think this whole Google slide is going to be somewhere that you can have the yes. links to all of it. If not, we will make sure we <laughs> share it with you so you can have all, all of our links. Um, junior high obviously looks more... <coughs> just reflection type of writing on many of them, um, but it is. The, I pass them out at graduation to the parents, and um, now our eighth grade students this year, I think will have something from at least second, it might even be first grade. Mm -hmm. So they will have something where they have written on or drew pictures on all four of these, creed, um, community, calling, and hope. Um, and it is cool. The parents look forward to when it is no longer just a little packet inside a manila envelope of six, seven pages. It has now gone into a ring binder last year that I gave them with all of this on, and the parents are looking at it like, yes, um, they want to see what it is, because I, since we have so much um, data now, I've put it into, so all of the creed are together, going from kindergarten forward. And, you know, it is pretty cool to be able to see that and know what they're doing with it. So another way that we dive into the know and understanding of these Bible stories is by not just telling them, but living them. Um, this is an example of Sukkot, and it's a celebration that the Jews celebrated uh, in remembrance of the Israelites remembering how God led them out of Egypt. So we take some time in our little booth on the screen, um, just kind of talking about and celebrating the ways that God, just like he protected and was faithful to the Israelites, he is, um, he protects us today too. And it's so beautiful to hear these, for me, fourth graders talking about how God is protecting them and their families from a lot of different things. Uh, so we take some time um, celebrating what this festival was back then, but also what it means to us today. And sixth graders also do the um, Jewish feasts. So we go through the feasts of Israel, um, first fruits, Shavuot, trumpets, atonement, um, Sakot, Purim, Hanukkah. We go through all the feasts, and once again, they get to choose a feast. 
Uh, they present the feast to the rest of the class. They teach about it, um, but they don't only just teach. They've got to bring in supplies to celebrate. So either you bring in food to celebrate, you bring in, you know, um, some of these are things that I have. Nobody else has a prayer shawl. I don't think too many of them. But um, I have a prayer shawl. I have a yarmulke. I have the um, shofar. They can blow it. She actually was amazingly good at getting my shofar to blow a couple of notes. So they get to celebrate it with their class. And then these feasts are, um, like I said to them, does it matter to me that you have to know the facts of the feast for a test. No. When I say this past year to the seventh graders, these are last year's sixth graders, when I say to them, oh, just the other week, it was Rosh Hashanah. Anybody remember Rosh? Yeah, I do. I'll tell you what it was about. Then all of a sudden we have this connection. Um, this lasts a whole lot longer than a test in having them understand and know and feel a part of it. So we had, um, where did I get the information? I give them a brief amount of information. The passage from the Bible about the feast, and then I use the uh, little pamphlet that comes from Rose Publishing. If you click on this, you'll get right to Amazon and it'll show you where it is. But just a little pamphlet, each feast is broken gave them the information of it. Here's the information for your feast that you want to share with us. Um, also, there's the instructions. But it was, we talked about Yom Kippur. Oh, yeah, that's the one with the two sheep. You're right. And what was the purpose of that? And they still know it. So now we have discussions the following year about what they learned in the previous year, and it connects again with what we're telling and the story we're sharing. Um, the sixth graders also get to do the tabernacle. So this is very cool. Once again, they choose. Um, each sixth grader has to choose one of the pieces, and they need to write a report on it. And the report talks about the piece, um, where it was in the tabernacle, how it was used to worship God, and how it pointed to Jesus. Then, as a group, they get to make the piece out of garbage. Boxes, you know, anything that we have. The only thing that is something that I say you don't have to bring are the poles, because I've got nice dowels for them that are spray-painted gold or bronze. They're, they're already there, but we make it. So we make the Ark of the Covenant, and the, we make the curtain. We make the table of showbread. We make the clothing that the priests wear. We make the altar of incense, um, the bronze laver. We make the lampstand. We make the, our, the altar burnt offering. And then we set it up in the classroom. My classroom becomes a mobile tabernacle for a couple of days. And we invite students in the primary and elementary to come. And they teach about their pieces to their younger um, you know, students in their school. And that is really cool. Um, are the first graders remembering? Maybe not, but the fifth graders do. 
And they look forward at the first thing, these new victories. When do we get to make the tabernacle pieces? Because they know this is something that is happening. And they understand what it is and where. Um, I just asked my seventh graders the other day, or eighth graders actually, who are so totally not engaged in anything right now. When have you ever been engaged in any kind of learning? When I get to do something with my hands. Okay. So that just reinforced. This was probably one of the best times of engagement. Um, the other time, they say, is when we get food. So yeah, hands and food, that's about it. That is engagement for them. So anytime we can incorporate any of that, we do have our students. Um, the seventh graders study also about Solomon. So we go through his life, but then we spend time in the book of Proverbs and um, created this little booklet of Proverbs, different things and activities, and one of the pages was find a word picture. One of the Proverbs, find one. Find one of the word pictures in there and illustrate it for us. And then we laid them all out. Actually, we didn't lay them out. You took your proverb and you went to and you did a parent share with someone else. And then you did a parent share with someone else. And you did kept doing that as you shared them with other people. And then, you know, you could comment on mine. And wow, I never even heard that proverb or saw that proverb. But that's pretty cool. And you shared what that meant. So it was really, it was a fun activity. Um, something that got them involved, and Proverbs came right before Christmas, so this was really good, because they got them involved, and they were doing something rather than just sitting and listening, so Proverbs. Um, one of the other things I do with all the grades in junior high, but especially with eighth grade, is um, after the Bible Symposium, um, the year that I was in Washington, D.C., they talked a lot about the Immersed Bible. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't go back to school and ask for the Immersed Bible and for all of these students. So I made my own Immersed Bible. I took the Gospel of Mark, and I typed it all out, and I put it together into a booklet form there. And um, the students each get a copy. They'll be eighth graders will be starting with this next week. Rather than going through the stories of Jesus where I'm telling you the stories, or I decide which stories, we read through the Gospel of Mark together. And um, eighth graders prefer not to have you read to them any longer. So we just split up and you read. And I will say, um, don't go any further than Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a um, bleeding woman, a sick woman. Read up until there. And in the front of this, it'll tell you, and if you click on here, there's some directions for annotating it. Like, find these things in it. Um, highlight them. Underline it. Write questions by it. We get back together, and I'll say, okay, what did you, you know, who has something they want to share? And they all have something they want to share. And they all have to. Did you know that when he fed the 5,000, this is what happened? You know, and they start asking questions, and the, the, the discussion builds on each other. Now, there are downfalls to it, because I have kids that are going to read way faster and some kids that are not going to be nearly as far. It goes home with them. Finish it. Finish the story. Finish the story later. 
This is meant for you to the eighth graders on graduation that goes into their faith formation journal. It's there, guys. Finish the story. Go through it. Keep reading it. Um, we get to the point where it's the last week of Jesus' life and we kind of spend a little more time regrouping. I'm only on chapter 9. It's okay. It's okay. Finish it later. Because the point is, are you finding God's truth in his word? Not are you remembering the facts about his word? And this, I think, is building faith. Um, believe me, I am a true believer that the facts are important. I will tell them, stump me, I bet you can't, because I know my facts. But I want you to know God. I want you to know what his story is about and who he is. Um, as Gary Smith said, I want you to be amazed. Are you amazed at every single thing that he says? If it isn't amazing us anymore, why not? You know, and that's the question I think we have to get at. So this happens in all the grades, especially in eighth grade. Um, the two big ones they do are Mark and Revelation. Revelation is pretty cool to read through with eighth graders. Yes, Revelation. And once again, we preface it right from the beginning. We are reading Revelation. We are not diving down the rabbit hole into pre-mill, a-mill, post-mill, any of those rapture things. My point is, if the rapture comes today, I'm gone. So that's fine. You know, if you, if, and if the rapture isn't, in, which I'm not believe, you know, then, so that's not the point. I'm not teaching it to you as a, a belief system of your church. We're going through what the Bible says and reading this in the, the way it was written for the people it was written to. So um, it, is, it is amazingly cool to read. They are amazed, um, especially the eighth graders. I also have our junior high students before, they have homework before they come to Bible. Sixth graders over the summer have to read the book of Genesis. Seventh graders have to read the book of Judges. And uh, incoming seventh graders and incoming eighth graders read the book of Daniel. So Daniel, there's all those very similar as they have in Revelation. So they begin the year with Daniel and they end the year with Revelation, which is kind of a cool picture. Um, but that way, too, it's some of the things that they're going to be studying and talking about. And I don't just have them read it. They don't. They're like, seriously, this is summer? Um, Genesis, they have a, and I, I don't think I brought any of them along. I forgot them. They're sitting in my house waiting to be graded yet. But there's a whole um, devotional packet with it. Not asking a lot, just asking. Give me top five facts of summary of the story that you just read, the chapter or whatever. And then, what did you learn about God? That is a hard question to answer for them to understand. When I say, what did you learn about God? Not that... God wants me to obey. No, that's more about you than about God. What did you learn about God? And what did you learn about God's people? And same thing through the book of Judges. And same thing in the book of Daniel. Um, which is, it's cool to be able to see some of those. So 
Your five facts are your five facts. The only thing I'll say is that's not a very good summary, but it's five facts. But it's a pretty awful summary that you wrote. But, um, you know, what are, the, what are the things you learned about God and about God's people? So, like Vicki was saying, facts are important, yes, but at least when I was in elementary school, I hated tests. Whenever I heard the word test, I had so much test anxiety. And so, we don't do tests in Bible in fourth grade, we do projects. A couple years ago, the fourth grade teachers put all of the tests into projects, and, and now instead of a test, they do a project that's all about what they had just spent the whole unit learning about. So they're not memorizing all the information and spitting it out on a test. They're engaging with it, looking back in the Bible at the information. And here, again, you'll have this link later, is just all of the projects that we do in fourth grade. Um, it goes through all of the units that we do. There's a, we paint a, I actually have an example over here, this one. Paint a proverb. So we have them with watercolor just paint a proverb. Um, and then we put them up along the way. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other projects. What's the that other we one do. you have? Hmm? What's the other one oh, you have? The Isaiah project. So we do this one around Christmas time. Um, they cut flaps and write a, a verse from Isaiah and then a verse from the New Testament so just to see how the prophecies are coming true. So very meaningful for them and also really meaningful for the, us to see as well that they're diving back into the word and then applying it back to their own life. There's also application questions at the end of every test as, or project as well um, so that they can take what they have just done and then apply it to their own life as well. Could you read that application question? Yeah. Sure. I can't Here, let me pull up this one. Oops, sorry. <coughs> wrong way. Nope, wrong way. Let me get one of these open for you again. Like we said, we will make sure you can, you will have all of these. But here's the one for the fall. Go ahead. Um, God told Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. When in your life have you had to be strong and courageous? How did you handle the situation? Um, yeah, and then they write, they draw pictures of before and after the fall. Having hope. Um, oh, that's me, I think. Yeah, um, so <laughs> having hope, uh, we need, or I liked what the website for the building blocks had to say about having hope. They said, in today's era, we think of hope as I hope I win this game or I hope I get this job, but hope is so much more than that, and it's a blessing to be able to teach our students and also learn from them about how the hope... Um, the hope that we find in Jesus is so much stronger than any other kind of hope. And one of the best ways to learn about that hope that we find in Jesus is to learn from stories in the Bible and also to learn from stories from other people as well. And through people in the Bible, uh, like David, we can learn about how God was faithful to them and that gives us hope for how he will be faithful to us as well. And so at the end of all of our memory work, we have them either say the memory work to us or write it down. There is application questions and they're all there as well of, okay, you memorized it, great, but what does it mean? How does it apply to your life? Not only are they hiding it in their hearts and putting it in their hearts, but they're applying it to their lives as well. So those are some examples of our scripture and the application questions. Um, junior high also has um, memory work. Um, we call it more of a Bible study. Um, they have, I follow something called Hear Me is what I came up with. 
Um, H stands for they highlight the verse. So they have to print out the entire verse, highlight things that stand out to them in the verse, examine it, apply it, respond to it. Here are some examples of responding to it. Um, it all comes in this journal form. Memorize, and they may choose what they would like to memorize of, like, say, um, the First Thessalonians 5, and she wanted to have that verse that was important to her to memorize. And then you have to explain it to the rest of us or share it with the rest of us. So some of these are shared as a Google slide presentation. Some, many of them are shared as artwork. Some of them are shared as artwork that stays on my classroom wall. Um, some of them have shared them in a way where they have written a letter to God. Um, that's what kind of came out of the verse that they were doing. So it's a, it's a whole, rather than having a designated number of Bible memory verses, you choose a passage, chew through it, spend some time with it, and then go on to another one. So more than likely, they will have gone through about four passages in a year. And I keep them in a, this ringed binder type of a thing in one of those and just keep adding to them so they have all of them in there that they have been looking at. Um, eighth grade also, um, fifth grade and eighth grade, one way that we connect a lot with the story and show that we have this hope is we have these faith narratives. In fifth grade, they do a person of faith paper. After they have gone through all of the heroes of the faith, they do a person of faith paper, somebody that they know that is a person of faith in their lives. Um, eighth grade does something really personal. Um, they write their faith story. And um, if you are interested in doing this, there's a picture of what they do with it. It's using sticky notes to write down incidents in their lives and then kind of figuring out where the story is going. So um, this last year was the first time I did it that way. Wow. Was it a tremendous way of doing it? Because it was easy for them to see and remember. Otherwise, if you say, yeah, write about your faith story, they're like, what's my faith story? What's happened in my life? But when they start writing things down, and how do you see how God has been working through all of those? When they're on little sticky notes on a paper, and you can move them around, and the yellow ones are positive, and the pink ones are all the negative things that have happened. And the blue ones are showing um, how God has been faithful in your life through all of these. And then somebody else suggested as we were doing it, well, what about the times we walk away from God? Yes, green ones, put them on there, the times you've walked away. So any of this, all of these, um, there's an example of it, the rubric I use, and the faith narrative instructions on there that kind of explain how we did this. This is not a one-day project. This is like a three-day project. Um, this comes from this idea. It's not my own either. It comes from something that um, I was a part of a journey group. And that's how they had us to write it. So they were writing theirs. I was writing mine for a second time doing it so I could commiserate. This is work. This is hard. But it's a tremendous. Um, and then they're shared. And you don't share... In eighth grade, I don't make them share their entire story. You may share something of it. 
because then you get to choose what is not as personal or whatever you want to share on your story. And I've had amazing things being shared. And the point is, this is being shared in this room. And we are leaving it in this room. This is this person's story to tell. It's not yours to tell. And they're very receptive to that. And it's an amazing time. I don't, I have to remind myself, I have to warn the next teacher when we're doing it. Because there are some very emotional girls and guys after we do it that it's really hard to t sometimes do. Another way that we have tied some of this together is last year on 9-11, we had one of our fathers being interviewed by his son, um, who is a member of our spiritual life, and he, his dad is a firefighter. So how does your faith impact your life, your work? And um, that year, last year, we also did a step challenge. Now, we don't have stairs to climb for the towers, so we walked around the school. A certain number of, I kind of stepped it out. This is how many steps it would be around the school, and it was in absolute silence. And they were given a little piece of paper to say, as you're walking, pray for these people. Think about this. You know. And it was a time of saying, yes, this is... These are our community. This is how faith is involved in so much of what we do. Um, some of our other ones are pastor's chapels. This is an amazing thing to have. If your uh, school does not do it, we just had ours the end of September, and we had um, 77 pastors from 45 different churches gathering together, having a panel discussion with some student life members, asking them questions about our theme this year, then gathering together in small groups where the pastors prayed for the students and the students prayed for the pastors. And that was an amazing um, time of worship. Called and equipped. Um, we have been called. Um, we have been called to, since we are a part of this story, we have been called to love God, to love our neighbor, and to work in God's kingdom. Um, and at school, they are being equipped for it. Um, by recognizing and developing their gifts and skills and also given the opportunity to serve. So one thing that we do, well, in order to use our gifts, we need to recognize what they are. And it's really cool to be able to do that with younger students. In fourth grade, we once a year take a spiritual gifts finder survey where they answer all these questions, add up some totals, and then they can see what area, what gift score is highest? So serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, and mercy. Um, and we just did this last week, and it's just really great for them to kind of see. Obviously, gifts will change throughout the years, but to start this journey as young as fourth grade to see what our gifts are. Um, and then we took some time in class, too, to brainstorm. Okay, if your gift is serving, what does that look like? If your gift is teaching, what, does, what might that look like? Um, and, yeah, it's just a really great way to find what our gifts are and what they could be. And then you share them with the parents yes. at conferences mm -hmm. also. So then the parents are made aware yeah. of, you know, these are where your, your student has identified them. That's, mm -hmm. And that's really cool because mm -hmm. then, I mean, I'm sure parents are looking at it like, okay, we need to encourage these, but also do you recognize these gifts in your student, mm -hmm. in your child? Um, this is, again, my spiritual life group, my um, school life group. 
If you don't have something like this, see if you can get this implemented in your school, because it is amazing. Um, school life deals a lot with community at school. Um, spiritual life deals with, uh, we have chapel every week for junior high. Those kids plan. Well, not those anymore. They're in high school. But those kids in my spiritual life group plan every single chapel. It's not call a minister. I mean, if there's somebody they'd like to call, that's great. But otherwise, they plan them. We have it on our theme for this year. That's usually what our chapels are based on. Now, they do some different things with it. Um, we play games quite often with a point. And it's kind of cool to come back and have them say, when we rehash it, you know what? That game made a really good point of what we wanted to try to say. And we'll ask other students, and, you know, it makes sense to them um, by doing it that way. So these are the ones that, um, yeah, they're involved in a lot of the things that help build community in our school and help build um, our spiritual life. These few more chapels that we're on. Um, we also have once a month, we have our primary and elementary who present a chapel for the whole student body. So that is, that is fun. Um, sometimes I don't think our primary and elementary teachers like it much. Like, oh, really? The way we say it is so different than eighth graders would say it. I'm telling them, no. The highlight when I say to the spiritual life group at the end of the year, what are some of the best chapels? It's the ones the younger kids do. It's so fun to see them worshiping God the way they worship God. They're kind of put in shame of the fact that they sing. We don't want to sing, you know, kind of a thing. So it really makes a big difference. Um, so those are some of the ways that we do it. Like you see, we're sitting on the floor, and it's, um, it was near Valentine's Day. They had to say something and write down something, and they shared prayer requests with each other in a small group and prayed for each other. Um, we also serve. We have an impact day um, at Highland Christian. It is a day K through 8 where they impact our world. Um, we don't call it service day. We changed it a couple of years ago to impact. It's... I wrote it down because I always forget one of the letters. Involving myself through prayer, action, compassion, and thought. And we, we put into there that that's what it is. We're doing something. We have to get involved prayerfully with something we do, compassion and thought about what we're doing. So these are some eighth grade, uh, sixth grade through eighth grade gets to choose where they go based on a list of different places we are going. So they filled boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Um, actually, they're boxing up little craft kits. They went to Roseland Christian Ministries. This year, I had a group, or last year, I should say, had a group of sixth grade boys and girls making lasagna for Lasagna Love in, my, in our teacher's lounge. That was interesting, to say the least. Um, they didn't always, ooh, I looked at a few of them like, I don't know if I would want to have, hopefully if they're frozen, they'll look better. Um, at Thanksgiving time, we collect food for Rosa Christian Ministries, 
Christmas time, we have a Christmas tree where they can choose things for World Renew. Um, my student life group from, or my spiritual life group from last year was, we are collecting socks to go to homeless shelters because that's one of the top things they need at a homeless shelter, shelter is socks. So we collect them from people or just from, um, we have a thrift store. So I take home all the socks and wash them and, you know, try to, they were bundling them up in this, in this picture. Um, this year we had an opportunity for our school to bless. We're going through the Beatitudes and we're to the point of blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted for the month of October. And we said we want to encourage, bring comfort, encouragement to people. We had a woman, this was a, a, a totally a God thing, Mrs. Perez, who our librarian met at, um, I think, Goodwill in the book section. And our librarian is always looking for cheap books for the library in the at Goodwill. And Mrs. Mrs. Perez is picking up all the Christian books she can find, and they got talking. Well, Mrs. Perez does not have in her neighborhood in Hammond, they have a harvest festival on Halloween. And they have food, and they pass out books to whomever and they asked if people would like to be prayed for. And um, Mrs. Perez said they ran out of books last year and they had over 300 of them. And Mrs. Zanstras said, well, I know we can help you. So it was brought to our students, um, first to our spiritual life group and then to the entire student body. And um, she says, we'd like to have a goal of getting at least 400 books that we could bring to Mrs. Perez to be able to have them then pass out into our community. And um, our students are responding. Even our junior high students are responding, who I said to them, guys, you're always the losers on these things. You never bring anything in. And they're like, now coming in, where do you want us to put these? Oh, that's right, I got rid of the box because I didn't have anything. But so I guess I better bring the box back out. But um, that's another way to show that what we do can affect so many other people. This is, we're at our end. We made it without going over time with, hey, 10 minutes or five minutes left to spare. <laughs> so these are some of the resources that we have. Um, if you would like the link for this to be shared, why don't you write down one of our um, email addresses, um, vheisinga at highlandchristian.org, and I can just share the entire thing for you, the Google Slides, and you may have all of them, all of these, and I will once again make sure they're all correct, but they all, um, you know, open up to the site. Um, one of the other things that we left off that we had talked about was, I don't know if you use Bible Project videos. That is an amazing thing to be looking and to use. And I also found that um, there's a, a site called Edpuzzle that you can take the Bible Project video and you can, this is mine, you can have it, let's see if it'll play. Oh, I said I didn't need sound. Sorry. The first and second stamp. Well, I can hear it on mine. But it will stop. 
sorry, go this far, stop. And then there will be a question on the side that they have to answer. And then they can go back and do it again. And so you stick it in there, and they just sit there with Ed Puzzle with their headphones on at their computer, and they're going through something which is truly amazing. So um, this is one I just, I did for seventh grade because we just finished First Samuel. So, um, but a, a wonderful tool. So one of these things, you know, we're looking at and saying, should have left that up a minute yet. Sorry. Hopefully I'll go back on. Um, one of the things that we, we said was faith formation and integration also. Um, I know we didn't spend as much on cross-curricular things as maybe you would wanted, but I think one of the things we had learned was whatever you're doing, where do you see God in this? Um, we're both taking a class right now called Beautiful Work from CSI, and um, the one thing that there we just got through doing was um, taking a unit or a lesson plan and sticking it into a format of saying creation, fall, redemption, restoration. What did God intend? And I teach Bible, so I couldn't cheat and just do Bible. So I did math. And I um, looked at it and I said, creation, what did God intend? Numbers have meaning. Addition works. One plus one, you know, it, it works. Okay, so where has the fall affected even math? Well, I chose area, finding out area, and square footage especially. And I said, oh, what if I looked at the square footage of an average American home and compared it to the square footage of a home in an emerging country, like Ghana. 5,000 square feet, 650 square feet. Now what does that say? You know, so then the discussion is, if our world is redeemed, which it is by Christ, how do we restore this so that we don't think we need more than somebody else. What would it look like if we tried to make our home fit into something that was 650? Well, maybe not 650, but maybe just 1,300 square feet. You know, the square footage of your home. And I think that's one of the ways. Now, it takes intentionality to do that. And I think that's the point of having us do it um, I know Ashley did it with something that you were actually planning to study also. Yeah, we did about natural resources in uh, science class. In a, or, sorry, natural disasters. And it was really, a, we had a really great conversation of, well, if God's so good, why does he stop all these natural disasters? And to hear things like that come out of a fourth grader's mouth, I'm like, man, you've, <laughs> that stumps me. Like, yeah, but then we have these really great conversations about you know, all the good things about Jesus. And um, it just it has really yeah. flourished. The and I think the part that came, you know, made more sense to us too was take it the step further rather than just creation and fall. But what does restoration look like? And I think that was the part that really hit us. Like, 
what does it mean that we are agents of restoration and what are we supposed to be doing? And the last thing just to share to you, if you're a math teacher, um, I asked my son this when we were doing this a couple of years ago, and my kids are all grown. I said, okay, of all the students, of all the teachers you had, what was the one teacher that you saw that was the best example of a person of faith, of somebody who integrated faith into their teaching? Because <laughs> I was his teacher. It wasn't me. Um, not at all. Um, it was a math teacher. And I said, math? And he's like, yeah. This person was so passionate about his subject and knew his subject so well and was amazed all the time at his subject. That's what it means to teach from a reformed perspective with a person of faith. And I said, that's what we need. Because I think sometimes our kids think school is more like prison. We tell them what to do. We tell them when to do it. We tell them how to do it. We tell them when or why they must do it. And we want them to be more, as Gary Smith said, being amazed. Amazed at what God is doing. And I think sometimes that is just, um, I'm a firm believer that um, if we are sitting there and in front of us are image bearers of Christ, of God, they deserve the very best we can give to them. So teach math to the very best of your ability. Um, teach it to the way that you know gives God glory by what you're doing. And I think that's one way that they see in us that this is valuable and worthwhile. So thank you. I don't know if anybody has any questions. Um, there are some, if you want to see any of the artifacts we have, you may gladly look through them and see what we have up here. Look at some of the things we have done. But thank you otherwise.